Good morning, good morning. I'm so glad you all are here. Um, it's exciting to be here. I'm excited. I'm not excited very often, so I'm excited. You guys should know that. Uh, it's, a, it's a good day, and it's an exciting day, even though it's raining outside. Uh, it's exciting for a couple reasons. One, my parents are here, and I don't get to embarrass them very often, so please come up and greet them. Yes. <laughs> They have made me blush a lot in my life, so I'm making them blush. It's okay. I've probably made them blush a lot in their life, too. Um, it's also a special day because uh, we get to thank God. Um, today is about worship. Today is about worshiping God and praising Him, but it's also about thanking God for the service men and women that have paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, so that we can live in freedom and that we can have this wonderful nation. So on your way out, we have several servicemen and women that, that go here. If you see them out, please thank them uh, for, the, for being willing to make that sacrifice. It's, it's an exciting weekend, and, and we need to let our veterans know that we appreciate them uh, and them willing to sacrifice uh, for our, on our behalf. Um, it's also exciting for another reason, and that's because we are finally finishing our series of the Psalms of Ascent. Um, that's exciting for me because now I get to move on and plan another series. Uh, so we're going to finish it today, and then next week um, our youth pastor Jake Ingram is going to come up and speak, which is always fun to have him do that. Uh, and then the week after that we have what's called a Celebration Sunday. And it's a middle, little misleading because every Sunday is Celebration, but that Sunday particularly we get to hear stories about God moving in our body and in our community. Uh, and so if you've seen the hand of God, and, you, and, and when I'm talking about this, you're going, oh, that one thing that I saw him do, if you want to share that on that Sunday, talk to the office, and we can set it up so you can come up and share uh, what you've seen God do. And that's going to be an exciting time. Um, and the week after that, so now we're into mid-June, uh, I'm going to be starting a, a four-week series on marriage, which is going to be really exciting. So um, that's what's coming up. It's going to be a great time. So um, let's, uh, let me pray for us as we uh, begin to look at God's Word. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, and I ask that everybody here uh, would, would have many, many things on their heart that they can thank you for, uh, whether it's... Uh, um, the fact that it's Memorial Day weekend and we get to celebrate uh, the great men and women who have sacrificed so much, the ultimate sacrifice for our country, or whether it's our family being in town or close or, or whatever it is, Lord, I ask that you would put those things on our hearts so we could thank you for those things. Thank you for being a God who loves us, um, even when we don't deserve it. Thank you for being a God who, who loved us so much that you would send your son for us. I ask, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, that you would speak to these people that you would get me out of the way long enough for you to speak clearly so that people would understand. Lord Jesus, we love you. In your name, amen. <clears throat> so I did some of my growing up years in Colorado Springs, and I have a distinct memory that I want to share with you guys, and it, and it pertains to our message this morning. Uh, it's around barbecue. Now, Colorado is not known for its amazing barbecue, and I know that because I did grow up in the South where that is known for its amazing barbecue, but there was this one barbecue restaurant in Colorado Springs, and I thought it was so interesting how this guy, little tiny shop, you know, three or four tables, had amazing barbecue. His barbecue sauce was to die for. Something that he did to let the entire city know about his barbecue is he would drive his 1973 Chevy pickup truck that was rusting out in every possible way around town with his sign on it. And you go, okay, he's doing advertising with a sign. But he did something else. He took his uh, super secret barbecue sauce and he would slather it all over the exhaust manifold of that truck. <laughs> Not kidding you, I saw him do it. 
And, and everybody knew when you saw that sign and that beat-up pickup truck that was too loud and the muffler was rusted out and all those things, you would smell something. And that smell would trigger a memory in you, or at least some curiosity to create a memory, and he did really, really well. Every time I'd go into his restaurant, it was packed, and, and he had a restaurant down by the tracks, and he didn't usually go down there. It was kind of a rougher part of town. Um, and he did so much work and so much business. And it was all about the aroma, the aroma of his barbecue sauce. Um, and, and there's an aroma part of our passage, and I wanted to share that with you. It's almost like Cinnabon. Anybody know Cinnabon? I can say that word, and you know the smell, right? You're walking down the mall. You're doing all the, the shopping that you could ever possibly want or maybe more than you possibly want. And that smell hits you, and it's like it yanks you around, and in you go. Maybe one, maybe two cinnamon buns, depending on, you know, how good you're feeling about your, your current uh, physical fitness. Um, amazing. The, the, the aromas trigger things in our brains. Um, and, and the psalmist that, that wrote our psalm knew that, and he describes it. So I want to look at Psalm 133. It's a great, great passage and it's about something that I'm very passionate about. Psalm 133, I'm reading it in the NIV, and, and I'll have the words up behind me here. David starts off, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like a precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amazing little psalm. And you might go, well, Josh, you were mistaken. There's nothing about smell in there. But there is. There is. And I want to share it with you. There's three different things that the, the psalmist, or two different things that the psalmist describes unity as. Okay, so he starts off talking about unity, and there's this cool image that I want all of us to share. As the worshipers are walking up to the temple, if they're in Jerusalem, or maybe they're entering the city and, the, and Jerusalem is on a hill, and they're going up together, and they're singing this psalm because this is a song of ascent, and that's what they did when they would go into the temple or the city during the three festivals or feasts a year. They would sing this, and they were coming from all different parts of the known world some of them with different customs and backgrounds and traditions, but one thing united them, and it was the fact that they all worshiped Yahweh, and they all worshiped him this way. And as they're coming, they're looking out, and they're seeing different people. Maybe they look different. They, they had different experiences, different lives, but yet this one thing unites them, and it's the sound of their song, and it's, and it's the thought of worshiping Yahweh together, and it's beautiful. And, and David starts talking about unity and how beautiful it is. But then he talks about this oil. And I think in our culture and society, we think of oil as something that you cook with or something you put in your car, right? Hopefully, you put in your car every now and then. Vegetable oil. I mean, I, I put vegetable oil in a pan when I want to cook something. And, and so when I think of oil pouring down my head and my beard, my beard, my dad's beard, on the collar, on my, on my clothes, I go, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'd want to go take a shower. That, that's not a pleasant thing. But this is where the context really tells us what's going on. You see, this oil was a unique oil, and he calls it the special oil. And then when he references Aaron, the high priest, this oil meant something to these people. And it was actually an oil that God told Moses how to make, 
and God patented it. You could not duplicate the oil or the smell for perfume, for any reason other than temple worship. And so when you smelled this unique oil, there was probably a priest around, and that priest was God's anointed. And in Exodus 30, 22, God tells Moses, hey, this is how you make it. It's liquid myrrh, and he gives measurements, and fragrant cinnamon, and fragrant calamus, and cassia, and in a hin of olive oil. So you mix all this together, and it produces this oil that you only use for temple worship. And the only people that could use it were the priests. And so when anybody smelled that oil, it was because God was doing something. And it triggered a memory, just like my buddy's exhaust manifold triggered barbecue. And so anybody that heard this or smelled the oil, they think of God's anointed. And the psalmist is doing this amazing thing, and he's saying, you know that smell, everybody? You know that smell, that Cinnabon smell? No, no. This is the anointed oil smell? That smell is so beautiful. It's like unity. That's how special unity is. It's, it's this full sensory experience that the psalmist is talking about. It wasn't to be duplicated. It was special. And that, that, that tells us something. But you need the context to really understand how deep that analogy goes. And then the psalmist talks about dew. And I think of dew as the annoying stuff in the grass when I go let my chickens out in the morning and it gets all over my dress shoes, right? Oh, man, it didn't rain last night. Why is it all wet? But dew meant something to these people especially in reference to Hermon, Mount Hermon. It was this place that was over 10,000 feet. And if you're talking about a desert, that's pretty high, right? It's high for most places. But it was so fertile. And, and you could grow vegetation all year round because there was rain, there was snow, and there was always dew. And so again, as, as the psalmist references this dew, the, the worshipers go, oh yeah, I've been to Mount Hermon. That place, that's beautiful. There's so much vegetation there. And the psalmist is going, it's like taking the dew off of Mount Hermon and putting it on Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is Jerusalem. It's the mountain Jerusalem is on, and it's this beautiful place. It's this amazing analogy. And then the last thing the psalmist says that I think means the most is this little tiny verse at the end. There, Mount Zion, with all the dew that was placed on it, there the Lord bestows his blessing. And the, psalm, uh, the worshipers are going in going, this is where God restores his blessing. Even life forevermore. And David, being the, the prophet, poet that he was, kind of leaves us hanging. What do you mean, life forevermore? Most worshipers would think, oh yeah, he, God is blessing Jerusalem. We are God's chosen people. He has blessed us. That's wonderful. But then there's this little line, forevermore. And people go, oh, I wonder what that is. Well, we know what that is is. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want to read to you, thousands of years later, somebody by the name of Jesus said these words about unity right as he was about to make an act, to sacrifice himself on the cross. And David is prophesying about the Messiah, the Savior of the world, one day will be the blessing that will give us life forevermore. Listen to what Jesus says in, in John chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 20. And this is Jesus' prayer right before he gets betrayed. And so he's talking to God, and it's like the final speech, the final sermon before Jesus commits himself to this sacrifice. 
John 17, verse 20. My prayer, Jesus said, is not for them. He's referencing the disciples alone. I pray also for all those who believe in me and their message, the disciples' message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He's talking about us. Isn't that great? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And in them, uh, I in them, and you in me, may there be brought to complete unity to let the world know that, I sent, that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So you have this psalmist, and he's talking about unity and how beautiful it is. And it's, it's like the smell of God's anointed. It's like the smell of God's hand moving. And then fast forward to Jesus' death on the cross, and Jesus says, my prayer is that we'll be united together. Oh, it all connects. It all makes sense. Jesus' prayer for unity of believers, he's talking about then, he's talking about now, he's talking about the future, the united of believers. And, and Jesus' act, this is so important for us to understand, Jesus' act on the cross is the thing that unites us. It's almost like it has a smell, that beautiful perfume smell of the anointed Jesus dying for us. You see, there's two reasons why, why the psalmist talks about unity and why Jesus is asking God to unite us. And that's his prayer. There's two reasons. And Jesus said it in there if you caught it. The first reason is this, that people will know that Christ is from God. That's the first reason. When, when a church unites, even now, people know Christ is from God. And Christ is the way. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, it's because he is the Messiah. And that's the first thing that everybody should know when they see unity, or as I like to say, when they smell unity. And the second thing is this, that God loves the world. Isn't it interesting that when we unite as brothers and sisters, God's love is proclaimed to the world. You want to tell people about God's love? You unite with your fellow brothers and sisters. It's that easy. The, our unity is a representation of God's love for the world. So, what's the main idea? I could go on and on and on about aromas and God's anointing and God, uh, Christ's unity that he allowed us to have, but what's the point the point is this, unity is only, can only happen under the banner of Christ's sacrifice. And we've tried it in so many different ways. We unite under this, we unite under that, but perfect unity only happens under the banner of Christ's sacrifice. And that's why Jesus prayed what he prayed right before he died for my sins and for your sins. Unity can only happen under the banner of Christ's sacrifice. Real, true unity. We know that when we love each other, according to Jesus, people know that we are his disciples. That's the way that we uh, proclaim that we are Christ's is by loving each other. But the interesting thing is, is if we want to describe to the world 
that God loves them, one of the things that we do is we unite together. And, and if we want to describe that Christ is the way to God, we unite together according to Jesus' prayer. And so then you have this psalmist, and he's, he's talking about something that he probably doesn't even have a full understanding of, but he's talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and he's saying, God will bless us even life forever with this thing that's coming. And then Jesus comes and says, my prayer is that you unite in me just like God is in me and I am in him. So what do we need to do? The interesting thing, as I'm a brand new pastor here, I'm constantly learning about Grace Chapel. People are telling me stories. People that don't even go here tell me stories of this church. I, I'm talking to the barista at the coffee shop, and she asks me where I work, and I say, Grace Chapel, and she goes, oh, yeah, my parents used to go there. Brrr, she tells a story about the church. Sometimes it's good stories, sometimes it's bad stories. It's a normal church. There's both, right? But I'm learning, and I'm growing in my understanding of what Grace Chapel has been before I got here. And the interesting thing is, Grace Chapel is known for unity. That's my figurative high five. You guys have been doing this for years. Have you done it perfectly? Of course not. We're, we're human. We make mistakes. But you've done it well. And a testament to that is going a whole entire year without one person standing up here as the senior pastor. And people stepped up, and people did jobs they don't normally do, and they sacrificed more than they normally would, and they spent more time, and they gave more money, and they did things that they were uncomfortable with because it was for the sake of unity. we got to stick together. The, it's coming. This new guy is coming. You guys didn't know it was going to be me. But this new guy is coming, right? Grace Chapel's known for that. That has been a pleasing aroma to God, just like the aroma that smells when, when they would use the anointing oil. It has pleased him. And that has been proof that God loves the world by what you guys have done. It's not a perfect place, but this place has been about family. And as a, as a new pastor, I see this story and I go, oh, I want that story to continue. I want to keep going, guys. I want to still be a family. Can I be part of your family? And you guys have said, yes, come in. You can be part of the family. I'm a part of the family and I'm going, hey, we need to get more people a part of this family. This is awesome. And it's part of our identity. And it just so happens that when we do that, it proclaims God's love and the fact that Christ is from God. I want that to keep going. And there's some families that have said, no, I think it's our time to leave. It's our time to not be united and to move on. And God does that. God calls people to different places. But as we move forward, I want us to unite. I want us to bond together. That doesn't mean we agree. <laughs> That doesn't even mean we get along very well. Actually, it means we celebrate the diversity of this church and we choose unity. So that's like one of you saying, hey, I disagree, but you're my brother and I'm going to be united to you because Christ is from God and God does love the world and this is how I say it. It means you had a standard about what church should be like 
and that standard is not being met right away. I'm sorry, we're getting there, right? But it means you say, hey, I'm going to be patient. Because me sticking here, me staying here, it means that Christ died and is the only way to God. And it means that God loves the world. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put those differences on hold. Or I'm going to sit down with Josh and say, hey, I got this thing. What do you think about this? Is this really the way we're supposed to be doing things? And you build the family. You add to the family. You lift it up. And that is one of the most pleasing aromas to the Father. It's amazing. That's how we do it. And that's the point of this passage. David is saying, oh, you don't know how pleasing it is when brothers unite. Brothers and sisters unite. In fact, I would argue that it's even more pleasing when they're different. If we're all the same, how hard is it to unite? It's pretty easy. But if we all got a different opinion and we all think church should be done a different way, that's even more beautiful when we unite and stick with it together. We've talked about this over the past few months and we're going to keep talking about this. God is doing, he's blowing a fresh wind at Grace Chapel. And he's changing some things and we've, we've realigned some ministries to our values and our mission statement. And things are going to look a little different as we go on. But God's doing a new thing. And I want to see this family grow because it shows God's love for the world. That's what we do. So the application, I'm not going to give you three points like I normally do, and they're not even going to rhyme, so bear with me. The, the application is, is actually really, really, really simple. And we find it in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust me. Don't trust the elders with all your heart. Don't trust the church with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in Israel, person that's reading this thousands of years ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he, he will make it easy. No. He will make your paths straight. And I would rather have a straight path for Grace Chapel than an easy path. I would rather have a straight path for Grace Chapel than a path that didn't take much work. Because when our path is straight together, we're united. And that pleases the Lord. It's hard. We got difference of opinions. I've got really strong opinions. I'm so sorry. Sometimes I, I get done with meetings and I'm, I'm in my car and I go, Lord, why does everyone's opinion, why does everybody think their opinion is the most important? That's me every day. <laughs> that's like the biggest ironic statement, right? We all have different opinions and that's beautiful. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him. And people will know Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way to the Father, and people will know that God loves them, according to this guy named Jesus. And that's powerful. And I just want to take a second to think about what would happen if we did this. What does it look like when a church is united through thick and thin? And maybe because we're talking about aromas, what does that smell like? probably smells like barbecue because we're eating so much together. It's probably what it smells like. 
If we do this, we won't only be united. We won't just be a growing family, but we will be a growing family that reflects God's love. We talk about this all the time. We're going to put this program in place. We're going to do this missions trip. We're going to do all these things. To, and the whole point is to describe God's love to the world so that people will go, that's God's love. Oh, I want to trust in Jesus. And they'll trust and they become believers like us. And the, the, the God's family, by way of adoption, will just continue to grow. That's what we want. And when we unify, that's what happens. It doesn't happen. We could have the best programs in the world. We can have the best missions trips in the world. We can have the best outreach events and thousands of people show up here and, and, and we're doing all these things. But if we are not united, people are going to take one look and this is what they're going to see. These guys can't agree on anything. It's not worth it. But what I'd have them say is, these people can't agree on most things, but they seem to agree on this thing called Jesus. <laughs> That's okay. That is unity. That's what happens if we do this. It's so beautiful. It's like a pleasing aroma to the Father. And this is what happens if we don't. And you probably all have a piece of the story when you don't unify and when you don't get along. We'll head down a path, and that path looks like discontentment. And as that discontentment grows inside of you, you don't know what to do with it. It can't come out. And so you go to the people that are closest to you and you start gossiping and you start talking about how, how you think things should be and it's not and it's bothering you. And so-and-so said this and Josh did that and the elders acted like this and this discontentment breeds gossip. And then that gossip isn't just about what somebody did or didn't do. Then it starts to like, sound like grumbling and complaining. And that complaining, actually, if you think about it, sounds a lot more like self-righteousness. I've got the answer, and no one wants to listen to me. And I'm mad about it. That's what it looks like. And those things will separate us. And we'll start to lose sight of the fact that God loves us and loves the world. And He is the thing that unifies us, not our opinions not our experiences, not our ideas. Christ is the thing that unifies us. It will communicate the opposite of what Jesus asked us to communicate and prayed to the Father about. Disunity communicates the opposite of God's love and the opposite of Christ being the way to God. And I don't want that. I don't want that. So the biggest question for you this morning is why are you here? Why are you here? It's a good question to always ask yourself. Why do I go to this place called Grace Chapel? Is it because the pastor wears bow ties? It shouldn't be, okay? This is a fake bow tie, by the way. Sorry, Sean. Why are you here? Why are you coming? Why do you get up on a Memorial Day weekend and come and worship here? Is it to check a box? Is it because you were brought up that you have to go to church and so you're just going to church because you know it's a good thing? If that's you, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I'll be the first one to tell you there is so much more. That's like, that's like the smell of the barbecue before you taste it. There's so much more 
to this place and to being a part of a church than checking a box and showing up on Sunday and that's your investment. Are you here because you know there's more and you're just waiting for that more to come? If that's you, there is more coming and it will get better and better and better as we continue to unify under Christ's sacrifice. Maybe you're there. You're going, there's so much more to church and I just don't see them doing it. If that's you, come talk to me because I want ideas. I want to talk. I want to strategize. I want to plan for the future because God is moving and he's blowing a fresh wind and it's going to be exciting. So I want to unify under him. If we unite under Christ's sacrifice, the world will know God's love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it's so hard, God, to unify and to be a part of a group that doesn't always do the things that we want them to do or, or think the way we want them to think. And God, I'd be the first one to tell you I could get frustrated when people don't agree or don't see it or, 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 or understand what I'm saying. And I can leave the conversation feeling misunderstood and untrusted. And God, I want to be the first one to say, please help me unite. In those situations, help me remember that unity is the path. Unity under your sacrifice is the path to showing your love. God, I ask that every person in this room would know that, would leave here going, I've got opinions, I've got ideas, but I'm going to unite. I'm going to stick with it because that describes your love. God, that's my prayer, and it's a scary prayer. So I ask that you give us all courage, that you would give us all the ability to, to have strong opinions and not waver on those but above all, unite. And Lord, we can do it. We can do it with the power of your spirit. We can do it because of your sacrifice. So, so we thank you this morning for that sacrifice. And I ask that you would remind us of that sacrifice over and over and over. So when my brothers and sisters don't think the way I want them to, I can remember that and I can remember why we're here. Lord, we love you. And we are, we are people that get too scared, that get too confused, that get too discouraged. So I ask that you'd call us back. Be a good shepherd, Lord. Call us back to unity. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.